Welcome to the Wedding Sassholes, your no BS wedding business podcast. We're here to real talk you through common F-ups we see companies making. And the practical strategies you can implement today. This month's topic is closing more leads. And in this episode, we are discussing how to close more sales without being pushy. We are your hosts. I'm Shannon Tarrant. I'm Vanessa Negron. And welcome to The Shit Show. Episode three of The Wedding Sassholes. This episode, when we sit down and start each episode thinking, who are we talking to today? I definitely wrote down some inappropriate things, but you're here for the inappropriate, right? Yes. (laughs) You're here because we real talk the shit right here. So the inappropriate. (laughs) This episode is for those of you in the industry that I would call the pussies of the industry who don't like to ask for the sale. People think that sales is like being dirty and gross and whatever. And so today, Vanessa and I are here to get you to think differently. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here for. That's the plan. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about sales in today's climate in 2022. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do, let's take a look at your website and into your social media packages. Before the client contacts you, what do they see? What's the first thing they see when they go to your website or your social media? Yeah, because if the world we're looking at, sales is such an interesting process, right? And if you don't, Mm -hmm. if you aren't currently looking at it as a process, I went to a lot of Sandler sales training and it really taught me that we always think about sales as like lead and appointment and then it closes, but it's really like a process of making a decision and making a purchase. And that selling process really starts from your marketing, right? It really starts from like, you're talking to them in advance and all the things that they're seeing. It's like the, the pre-sale. Yes. What are you pre-selling? What is the, um, what is it called when like the movies come out and they do the. A trailer or a trailer. It's like a trailer. What is. Yes. Yeah. What are they previewing? What does it look like to them? Yeah. And if you listen to our episode last week, when we talked about five different ways to differentiate yourself, one of those ones was putting more face to camera and really putting yourself into the brand and into the company. The wedding industry in general is mostly small business. And I know Mm -hmm. if you're a venue and you're a hotel or you work for like Marriott or Hill and you're listening to us being like, I can't really do that. Like I can't really do that with my company. But For the majority of businesses in the wedding industry, I think this really applies. Well, and even with the big hotels, the people that are usually servicing is the small businesses that are contracted in with the hotels. But even even as a big hotel, you can still put personality behind it. So each hotel has their own social media platform for that specific location. There's nothing saying that you can't show. Not always. Not always. A lot of them them actually don't anymore, which sucks. Really? Yeah, it sucks. I still see a lot of them, even like, local gyms and stuff still have individual ones and then they have like one big corporate one but there's something wrong with putting like your catering staff on there or your sales manager just you know showing showing the floor or showing different things that you guys have there's nothing wrong with putting some personality behind it but I think that it's it's basically like when you get a new book reading the back cover first before you buy it that's what your clients see when they go to your website and your social media platforms to yeah, make they're sure doing that it's, so much education, right? They they're, are. they're doing so much research so that like, I feel like the sales process used to be very, you know, maybe you got a referral and then you called and then it became a lead. But at this point, I think we forget that 
by the time you get a lead in 2022, they have already narrowed you down probably to top three or five. They've probably read your actual bio that you think nobody reads. Yes. Because I've had it quoted back to me before. <laughs> yes. And when we're we to... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> We could both get very excited about the topic. We, we, we get very tell. excited. But when you're, you know, when we're looking at in the wedding industry, the majority of people you're selling to are 25 to 35 years old. And That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, you know, how do you, their generation just connect? And I say their generation because I'm an old lady in the wedding industry. I'm 42, which stop apparently it. makes you me s- like you a veteran right of old lady. In our <laughs> I've been doing this 20 years. So, but I think it's just, it's having a different conversation with people. But I think we also have to remember that generation because I am on the the elder side of this generation. Yes, you, you have are. to remember. You have to remember that that generation grew up with social media. Social mm-hmm. media was coming out while they were growing up, so that yeah. is like their first go to. We've seen. We were around when YouTube came out. We were around when MySpace was out. Facebook, all these different platforms when they first hit the ground running. That was our generation. So you have to take yourself and think of that because that's what they're still connected to. That's why we know the personalities. That's how we connect with people. How many people are YouTube famous just from having a random channel? Yeah. We, people have to look at us two idiots with our own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say we're idiots, but I would say we're sassy, but that, that generation it's, they are different. They are going more on the social media platforms than they're going to, they still go to Google, um, Google reviews and such, but they're not going to the best business bureau. And looking up yeah. business beer, they're not going there. No, they're not going into the. Uh, some of them still do a lot of like the magazines and such, but they're not going into the not to look for a local vendor that's nearby around the corner. They're yeah. searching. They're searching hashtags. They're searching uh, geo geo tracks where you yeah, tag yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so what when doing. you when we start talking about closing sales without being pushy, I think that. One of the easiest ways to do that when we're talking about this generation and if you're putting face to camera and you're doing all of those marketing things, I think the most important thing is to connect with them personally, mm-hmm. not only being about businesses and packages and pricing. And when you do a little bit of that on the front side of the marketing, which we talked about a little bit, is you know, you've already built a little bit of rapport. We talked about it last episode that you know they get that opportunity to get to know you a little bit. You're sharing things about yourself, not just your tips and your education, but a little bit more about you also. And I think as we do that, when you talk about having to not be pushy, it is about having a common connection and a personal connection with people, not just flat out sitting down and talking straight business. No, find some common ground, find something that you have in common or that you can carry on a conversation about. You can... I I like to say nerd out. Um, I specifically have like in my office, uh, something that has Star Wars and something that has Marvel in my office when people come in for tastings, because the grooms are nine times out of 10 going to be either one of those and gravitate towards it and start a conversation on it. And right then and there, I've connected with them on something they weren't expecting when they came in for a cake tasting. Yeah. And so when you look at, there's a lot of ways you can build that connection with people. Um, You can build it from a place of something that is said in the meeting, something like Vanessa said, that's in your space, whether it's books and things like that. Even sometimes when it's on Zoom, 
it, you can do that piece of a dog or a -hmm. cat in the background on a Zoom meeting. And those things really start to, you can build that immediate connection with people based upon having that. My favorite trick, I know it sounds a little lame. This is the most basic question you can ask guys, but we try to (laughs) give you actionable stuff to do. But when, as a venue, when I would meet with couples, they were the very, very first early stages of planning their wedding, right? So the first thing I would always do is ask them, how's wedding planning going? Mm -hmm. One question, one simple, basic question that really could set the tone. They would start sharing and I could really listen for the trigger points and, you know, how's wedding planning going? It's a very easy way to open a door without being like, what do you do for a living? And that works too, because sometimes you can connect there. You've got to find those connection points. Where are they from? Where did they get engaged? You know, things like that. That's always a connection point. Where they're from. I mean, if you know anything about like regionally, there are certain yeah. there are certain things you can tie into the wedding for them. Where did they get engaged? Why was that important? You know, things like that. I think if you find those commonalities, it's just easier to have a conversation and to make it more personable because it is a wedding. It is intimate. So don't don't just be straightforward, all business. Make sure you connect with them because at the end of the day, and I know we said this before in a previous podcast, they're, they're hiring you. They're not just hiring the business and yeah. they want to make sure they connect with you because you're that one vendor that's filling that one category for them. So make sure that it's special for them. Yeah. And I think one of my hardest things is that I'm a really bad listener. <laughs> I'm a really bad listener. I get like excited in conversations as you will hear us through the, we get excited and want to start talking and whatever. And it's, I, I always have to remember to stop and really listen for those connection points. And when you can build that connection, it makes it so much easier to get to a sale without having to go pushy. So that is, if you don't build a connection with people, you're never going to win this game. Like no. people buy from people they like. Part of, list, part of listening is also how are they buying? What are the words that they're using when they're communicating with you? Yeah, I think that this generation in general, couples planning a wedding, let's get rid of the generations. Couples planning a <laughs> wedding today are, they buy really differently in terms of even how they search and how they use. And we'll talk about this and we'll dig into it later. And we've talked about it a little bit in the past, but I want to share, I remember it was probably two... 2010. Oh God, that's 12 years ago now. But I had an intern who at the time now is um, massive, amazing, has grown to this crazy career in our local market in the wedding industry. But I had an intern who I sent her an email across the office, right? Computer to computer. And she opened the email on her phone, not even on her computer. She opened the email on her phone and she like swiped up and it like let it scroll. And I like saw her. I was like, what are you doing? And she said, I'm just trying to see how long the email is before I read it. Because it's if it's more than a couple of paragraphs, like it's too much. Like I just don't, I don't really have the capacity to handle it right now. And my immediate response was like, oh my God, if this is how this 25-year-old or 23-year-old sitting in front of me is reading and digesting her inbox, every single couple that I am emailing this is probably how they're doing it. And mm-hmm. I immediately, I knew my emails were too long. Yeah, it's it shouldn't be a novel. It's funny that you say that because I, as a vendor, when I get emails from clients, that's a novel. I put it in the read later pile because I'm just like, I don't have the mental capacity to deal with this, right? Like I don't have time 
to read through the novel to get the one detail that you were trying to tell me. But I think also with that novel of sending it to a client, remember that you're not the only vendor contacting that client. So if it's long, they're going to ignore it and go on to the next person. Yep. And I think everybody's time is really valuable right now. And our time is valuable as business owners and working in hospitality, but their time is valuable also. So really focusing on, and that's why we wanted to start this episode talking about how, what, who's actually buying and how people are buying right mm-hmm. now is really important to, you know, have that conversation and understand because if you're not paying attention and this is going to shift again, I have been in the industry 20 years and it shifted like six times because social media wasn't a thing. We were only, it was only wedding shows and it was only magazines. Like every time there's a shift culturally within the world we live in, it shifts how we make a purchase. And so Mm -hmm. it's really key. So let's dig in a little bit more specific on how to really start driving people closer to a close. Closer to once you have your appointment. Okay. That would be easier. we, We do the appointment. Have your appointment. It, it it doesn't have to be an in-person appointment. I know a lot of vendors do Zoom calls or they do phone calls. It doesn't have to be an actual like make an appointment to come to an office kind of thing. But I think once you get that appointment or that call or that Zoom, make sure you're listening to the pain points of the client and you're helping fix those pain points. Telling them how you are going to make sure those pain points are stress-free for them because your service is going to take care of it. So I think that's just selling in itself. You're you're just telling them what you provide and how you're going to fix it, but it's also a sales tactic. It's also a way of selling your services. Does that make sense? Yeah. Don't you think that just like people like me who get very excited with the sharing the things and maybe don't <laughs> listen very well, I think sometimes as vendors, as much as we are experts, we get very into telling them how they should do it instead of listening to learn more about what are their specific pain points and how you can reduce their stress with your product. So mm-hmm. when I would ask a couple of that easy question that says, how's wedding planning going? Or things like how many of your guests are from out of town? I worked at a venue that was also a hotel and a resort. So we had activities and things. So if somebody was stressed out planning and was like, oh my God, it's so much. And there's so many things going on and there's so much to do. If you have an all-inclusive package you sell, like as a venue, you can really hear them and not just say, we sell all-inclusive and this is why, but you can really tailor that conversation in the appointment specific to how it helps solve their pain point and how it helps solve their problem. Mm -hmm. Because then I think they are way more likely to purchase from you overall. Oh yeah, absolutely. And make sure that when you're talking about all these things, you're very upfront about the pricing of the things. So there's no hidden surprises because that's going to stress them out even more. And it's going to be a turnoff, to be honest. Um, But yeah, listening, listening to what they want for their day and also making sure you're fixing their pain points. Yeah. And finding out why, not only what do they want, but why is that important to them? Because sometimes I would, you know, be in a meeting and, you know, be doing a tour and they would be start asking really weird questions. You know, I remember there was this one tour one time and she said to me, she was like, you know, well, exactly what time does the sun set? And I'm thinking it's about pictures. Everything is vendors that we think about, right? Like Mm -hmm. she was like, exactly what time? Like, can you look it up and whatever? And I'm thinking like, I know what time of year, like the general time frame. 
And it was like something to do with their religion that like something has to happen within 20 minutes of the sunset. And I just didn't, I just couldn't, I could have easily just answered the question, moved on. But I was like, what, this is now the second time you've asked me for an exact time. So I'm going to look it up in the app, but why does that matter? Mm -hmm. And then it was something that I learned she needed an extra separate room for. And I just, I didn't, you have to learn and understand the why. But it helps you better provide a service for them. Absolutely. Like the extra room. Like, yes. Oh, I didn't realize this. And then you learn something new, but you can also take that down the road and use it again. Yes. I have Mm -hmm. that and that opportunity. I think the other thing that vendors, when it comes to like utilizing that opportunity to close the sales a lot faster without having to feel like you're being pushy and like a used car salesman and being all like, I think one of the things is that we fail as companies to really keep an eye out for the buying signals. Mm Mm-hmm. You agree? Like, what do you think are some of the things that are really clear and obvious buying signals um, when people are in front of you or on the phone or whatever? I think there's like keywords that they can use. So if you're actually listening, like the keywords or what services are they specifically asking for or pricing wise, which me personally, I think it's always important to, it doesn't have to be an exact estimate, but some form of a base pricing estimate for the client before you know, you have that initial meeting so that it kind of helps them make a decision before they get there. They have a good idea for that education. Right. Um, but I think also buying signals, there are people that they just upfront will say, okay, so how much is the deposit? First conversation, how much is the deposit without asking any other questions? They just want to know how much do I have to do to secure your services? I will figure out all the rest of the details later. I just want to make sure you're booked. And then there's other people that ask, well, how long do we have until we have to make a decision? What does right. this look like? What does that look like? Can we look over the contract? You know, so I think listening to the, the terms that they're using. Yes. But the buying signals of, are they ready to book now? Or do they want more time? You know, are they just shopping? There are people that are j- literally just right. shopping around. They're, they're not really interested in your exact service. They're just trying to get an estimate so that they can start budgeting. Yeah. And usually those people, when you are listening and paying attention in those calls or Zoom calls or in the in-person appointment, I think they make it pretty clear. But if you don't wrap your head around the fact that you are the salesperson and that you really need to be looking and listening for these signals, a lot of times when I'm coaching or working with a company in the wedding industry and I start asking them like, well, how do you know when they're ready? They're like, I don't know. I can't tell. And I'm like, they're not usually listening. So there's a few like general tips I always tell people. Obviously, the question you um, already touched on things when they ask about how much is the deposit um, or if they specifically are like, how much time do I have? It's probably because they're still evaluating you up against someone else. Mm -hmm. But sometimes they start asking about really specific contract terms right? of, you know, well, what's your cancellation policy and what's whatever. And I think sometimes vendors get annoyed. Like, why are you asking me about my cancellation policy? And I'm like, yo, they are ready to go. And they start asking really specific details. Um, I used to like, as a venue, I did a lot of in-person and it would be like when they started nodding along, when you are talking (laughs) and they start nodding and are like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Or I would say things like, does that make sense? And they'd be like, yeah, like it was a clear buying signal that we kind of had had built that rapport that they were kind of they were picking up what I was putting down all the way through. And then sometimes they would start asking about me. And I this was always way earlier in the appointment than when you get normally towards the end, they start asking about deposits and stuff. But 
when they would ask me specifically, like, well, how did you get started? Or how long have you been doing this? And Mm -hmm. that to me is a signal that you want to work with me more, you know, that we've built the rapport that you like, because why you wouldn't care, right? Like, no, if I met a photographer and we were in a meeting and I was like, I have no interest in working with this person anymore. Like I'm, there's no chance I'm going to hire them. I wouldn't ask them deeper You're not questions, ask personal about questions. Themselves. No, right. To build a, to build a deeper connection with someone. No. Right. My terrified question was always when they were like, well, are you married? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I always just, I always just joke. Oh, it's in the name of the business. Miss M-I-S-S. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. I didn't have one. <laughs> I didn't have one of those. Um, what's another, another buying signal that in an appointment they can look towards? Um, I would say when they're asking about like delivery times or arrival times, not just delivery, I'm sorry, yeah. setup times, like what time do you normally get there to set up? Will you be the person that we personally get to work with on our day? So right. not, it's, it goes back to you asking about, or them asking about you, but also mm-hmm. are, do we get to see you on our day? Like, will you be the person that will be there? When they yeah. ask questions like that, if they weren't going to hire you, they're not going to ask you. Yep. They're not going to ask you what time do you arrive or what time will you be there? Will you be there as a the person? They're not going to ask you stuff like that if they're not interested. And don't you think that like you really have to, if you're doing a good job of running the appointment in a way that you are guiding them to make it open and important for them to ask questions, you have to leave the room. Clients should be doing 60% of the talking in these meetings. I mean, True sales is like 80, 20. I don't really know if that applies in weddings because they have so much lack of knowledge that sometimes we have to educate a little more. But I still think that you have to create an environment for them to ask the questions, not Mm -hmm. wait all the way to the end and be like, so do you have any questions? I think you need to open the door to, you know, make sure you're leaving that gap of space to let them ask and talk and invite them at the beginning of your appointments to say, please ask me any questions along the way. Well, and repeat back the details so that you're, you're coordinating that as, as the appointment goes, repeat back the details. And if they say specific phrases of things that are important to them, repeat that back as a question, just to reconfirm, like this was important. You did want this, especially if you're adding on things to a package. Yeah. Make sure you're repeating back, like you're mirroring that. And maybe you started listening to this episode thinking you were going to get, and we've got a few like legit closing phrases you can use, but I know you started listening to this episode and you're like, these guys aren't giving me any magic formula to close more sales. But because the topic is about not being pushy, we're trying to teach you and give you the tips and tools to really just start paying attention that when you build a rapport and you build a relationship and whatever, it's it's honestly a lot easier when it gets to the point of it is time to quote unquote close them mm-hmm. because you've already done all the steps along the way. So how do you do a soft close? How would you approach soft clothes? Here's the problem. Between you and I, (laughs) I am a much more aggressive salesperson than Vanessa is, guys. Like, hi, Shannon. You stop. Don't tell people that. (laughs) I know. But I have been through so much sales training. And I, at a time when the world was buying differently, like I would be, you would probably, if you met me and I was selling something to you, you would never sit there and say, oh my God, she was aggressive. You wouldn't, you would never be like, oh my God. But some of the concepts and things that I'm going to share at the end of this episode, we're going to talk through very different processes because Vanessa's processes would be really different than mine. But I do think you have to find what works for you, but you got to be willing to be a little ballsy. 
you can't get, if you've done all those things and they're giving you these signals, right? That's why we talked about that. If they're giving you the like green light, like they're literally giving you all the like, oh, blah, 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 I want it. I want it. And I want yeah. it to be you. Like what is, when you get to the end of a meeting, cause I did some very different shit and I'm going to share it, but it's going to be crazy and you're never going to do it. That's but why I still here. do it. We today. have to share. Yeah, I know. I know. So what do you, how do you soft close? Like, cause I would, I would consider your clothes a little bit more softer than mine. So how do you soft close at the end? Maybe mine's softer because of what style of work I do. So mm-hmm. I always think of like, maybe it's cause I make soft cakes. Who knows? Um, <laughs> My soft close is at the end of an appointment, I always go back over all the details. I tell them the process of how to book and secure and do all of those things. I make sure that when they leave, and I know this is not for everyone, but I make sure when they leave, they have an updated estimate that has all the details that we just discussed, all the little things that were important to them, all the pricing, there's no surprises, the contract, the how the contract can turn into an invoice. I make sure all of those things are done so that when they walk out the door, they are fully armed and ready to go. I also let them know that if they have any questions, please don't hesitate to pick up a phone and give me a call. I would be more than happy to walk you back through it. If you need any changes made, you know, give them the timelines of different dates, that due dates of changes and things like that. Um, but I make sure that they have everything they need. And that's how I personally do it. And then after I tell them, you know, this is this will be good for the next seven days after our meeting. And then after the seven days, I send them an email that just says something along the lines of, hey, I know sometimes these things go to spam, just want to check in. Do you have any questions? Were there any changes you want to make? Things like that. So for me, and I do this with all of my clients, and I've this is just how I've always been, even before I did weddings. I do make it personable, and I try to be more of like a friendly vendor, like a friend, and ask the questions and make sure I touch base and make sure they have all the things that they need and make that connection. And just nicely say things of, hey, just want to make sure you have this. Do you have any questions? And then once it goes past a certain time, then I send another follow-up email of, hey, do you, like we just appreciate being even considered for the position. If you decided to go a different direction, hey, we wish you the best of luck and things like that. So I'm not pushy on it, but I do send follow-up emails that are not pushy. Yes, I know. <laughs> She's what I would also call sales pussy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just I am kidding. not. I'm just I am kidding. Not. She is that. She is that. She is that. I have a but pretty good close there, to be honest. <laughs> she is. Her close ratio is really high. But I think one of the things, and that's why we started the episode where we were, Vanessa does face the camera. Vanessa's website and her social media and her marketing presence. She's built a business based on a lot of referrals from different vendors who are direct send and venues who are direct sending business to her. So when you've set up your business in a different way, mm-hmm. you don't even have to close. You mm-hmm. just like meet with people and they like it and they buy. Like that is the extent of what they do. Like there isn't all of that extra work. Well, and a lot of times they're not going to make the appointment and take the time out of their day. Cause for my sport, I do, they have to yeah. come in. Yep, they're to not going to make the appointment and come in and set that time aside. If they're not that interested. No. So I feel like if you, if you do your homework and you make sure you do all the things ahead of time, if they're making that appointment, you better close it when they're there. That's why when they leave, make sure they have everything they need because they've already set that time aside thinking in their head, we want to hire this person. So we're going to go meet them. Yeah. And I mean, I think some of the things, if you didn't catch it in what Vanessa said, because she didn't tell you how she has that set up, but I think that one of the things that she does that is very different is 
And if you're not doing this as a company, you really need to think about it. Have some kind of CRM set up. What CRM stands for customer relationship management. It's some kind of software. There's a few really popular in the wedding industry. Um, you know, you've got HoneyBook and 17 Hats and Dubsado, which are three of like the big boys. There's a lot of category specific ones. There's DJ Event Planner and Shoot Queue and different ones that are really specific and have different functionality. But in them, if your proposal slash invoice, I mean, proposal slash uh, estimate, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, because it's called something different in every software. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you need to have it set up that it's an easy auto flow, that at the point yes. at which you are sending a proposal, that they can just accept, get to a contract, sign and get to payment. Yes. So that like, it is a soft close because you're not, you're not even waiting to be like, do you want me to send you a contract? They just, you walk them through the end of the appointment and say, so I'm going to, here's all the details. I want to make sure I have everything right. Whether you say I'm going to send it within 24 hours or you click send right then and there, you want to walk them through the process that's like, so this is what's going to happen next. Yes. What is the next step that they should expect? What are the next steps? Now, if you aren't there and you're not sure. So as a venue, I think it was a little bit different because they would come tour and I wasn't always like, or they'd have four more tours lined up and things like that. So we would sit there and, um, you know, I've done all that work to build rapport. When we would get to the end and I would I would go over an estimate in person, we'd go over pricing and packages and whatever. Because my venue is venue food and beverage, sometimes we were talking upwards of 15, 18, $25,000. Like we were talking tens of thousands of dollars sometimes. It wasn't as quick to be like, okay, let's do it. Like it usually was a little bit like, yeah. oh God, we got a budget. We got to look at the big picture of everything. Mm-hmm. Before you become venue poor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about venue poor in a, a different day, a different <laughs> in a future episode. But I think that like we would get towards the end of things. And one of the questions I would ask, and this is one of the phrases I think if you are not a super confident salesperson, I think it's a really easy phrase to ask them. And my favorite question would be, what do you think we should do next? So I would put the power back on the couple or the couple and the parents or whoever was in front of me to say, okay, we've gone through everything. Everything looks good. Like we're kind of on the same page. What do you think we should do next? Mm-hmm. And then shut up, stop talking. Because at that point, they will tell you exactly where they're at. They would that tell 80, me things 80, like- 20 part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would tell me things like, oh, well, I've got to bring my parents out here or- well, we have to review the budget, but, and then sometimes they would ask me how much is the deposit? And I was like, buying signal, got it. Like, you know, I got it. And so it was when you ask that really simple question, or you can say something like, this one might be a little more sales aggressive, but I'm going to say it anyways. Like, you know, are you ready to check venue is done? Check it off your, yeah. Are you ready to check it off the list? Or are you ready to remove the date off my calendar? Because as a venue, I had one space and when it was booked, it was gone. Like, are you ready to lock in the date so that no one else can have it? Because we didn't hold dates. So you've got to figure out a way that is really confident to get them to answer it themselves. Mm -hmm. Rather than you being like, so are you ready to sign on the dotted line? Like nobody wants that shit. But also using the correct verbiage, like you said, of are you ready to take this off the calendar? Are you ready to check it off the list? It's putting it in their hands, but you're also putting um, a sense of urgency on it. Yeah. Of 
hey, like we have other people that are also looking at this. So if you want to secure it, we need to take the next steps. Right. Because I think that that's always a fine line in the industry because you don't want to be like, well, somebody else is going to come steal it out from under you because they no, don't react. No. They do not respond well to that. No, but no, let's I not do, give them ultimatums. Let's not no, <laughs> not the ultimatum. But I do think it's like, listen, this is I'd be like, I just want to go over our process and our policy. We do not hold dates here as a company. The only thing that guarantees your date is both a deposit and a signed contract. That is when we remove the date from available calendar. So the next tour who walks in here could come in and say they want that date and that space. I don't hold it. And if your policy is you hold an estimate for seven days or whatever, that was fine. But as a venue, I have hard space. Like I can't hold it. So we would really just be firm on it. But again, it's that communication level that's really key. That's at the bottom of all of my estimates. It says this is good for X amount of days. And unfortunately, it doesn't say unfortunately, because that's a bad word to use, but it does say this is good for this many days without a signed contract and deposit. We do not hold dates, but this estimate is good until this day. Yeah. And then it gives them that other sense of urgency. Okay. Now I'm going to give you my cringy clothes. (laughs) You don't want to die. This is the worst. And I still do it all the time. So I, if you haven't figured out by now, Vanessa and I are both pretty dynamic and pretty fun to freaking be around, right? (laughs) Me? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, when I did a wedding tour and I was really focused on building rapport and making that connection and having a great relationship with the couple, the family of kids were there. I don't even like kids, but I'd be playing with the kids on the tour. I do not care. So we would build this amazing level of rapport. And what I found was the more digital wedding planning got, like shit, I'm old. But the more the problem of starting to get ghosted became a thing that we would get to the end of the tour and they'd be like, we love it. We have one more tour. It's so great. And then, but, and we'll get back to you next week. And I'd be like, great. I had a clear future. I got it all organized. And then they would fucking disappear. They would Mm -hmm. just disappear. And I was like, what the fuck guys? Like, I don't understand. So I went back to my childhood and as dumb as it sounds and as cringy it's going to be, because if you are under the age of 35, you are like going to cringe when I say this, but I did it every time. It does require a certain personality and it does require really good rapport building. And I, I lie. I didn't do it every time. The, the delivery. It's the, the delivery, delivery of is the very yes, important the part of this. Yes. The delivery is important. And I sounded like an idiot the first few times, but then I got it down. So we'd get to the end of the tour and we'd get to the end of the meeting. And mind you, at the time I worked for someone else. So I would maybe phrase this a little bit differently if I owned the business. But what I would say to them is, listen, we had a great time today. Do you think that our venue is still an option for you to choose for your wedding? And they'd give me a yes or a no. And I'd be like, perfect. most of the time it was a yes. Or if they were like, no, I was like, great. I just want you to have a great wedding. But if they said yes, I would say, listen, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. I just work here. Like I'm an employee. I don't own the property. I don't own the venue. So I really just want you guys to have the best possible wedding you can. And if this venue isn't the right place because of how it looks or the budget or the overall cost or whatever, or it doesn't fit or meet your needs, Like, I need you to promise me today that you will at least just let me know. And they were always like, oh, yeah, okay. And I was like, okay, put your hand like this, put your pinky like this. And I would grab their pinky and I'd be like, pinky swear. 
And as dumb as it was, they laughed every time. And we're like, okay, fine. Pinky swear. And I was like, don't ghost me. Like, I just work here. I just, I, my job is to make sure I get an answer from you. A yes, Mm -hmm. a no, either way. And I don't want to keep following up if it's not the right fit. So just tell me if it's not the right fit or when you're ready to go and you want to really grab and reserve that date, let's do this thing. I know, I know the pinky swear. It's It's so funny. It's, it's funny. It's cringy. People are like, oh my God, I would never do that. But I think when you have taken the time to build that rapport in that relationship, and if people ghosting you is a problem, you have to find your own version of the pinky swear when you get to the end of an appointment to make sure that, because I hear it all the time from wedding pros. They'll say things like, well, I don't understand. They asked me for a contract even, and then it never, then they never signed it. And then they never replied again. That's, that's a, you, you screwed up the rapport problem. Like somewhere you thought you had something that you didn't have done. Mm -hmm. A step got missed in the, where, where's the ball being dropped? Let's look at our system. Did Mm -hmm. the ball get dropped? And for me, as much as the pinky swear, you have to find your own pinky swear, but the pinky swear for me became a way because I, we did have a good time and we did have great rapport and they really did understand that I was sharing expertise. And I did just want them to find the perfect venue, whether it was my, the venue I worked at or not, it was an important way for me to solidify that they would at least freaking reply. God willing, just reply. Yeah. Well, and a lot of couples don't understand that when you're asking them to follow up, it's not to hound them. It's just, it's business. I just need to know if you're interested or not. Like I'm not. Yeah. It doesn't hurt my feelings if we weren't a good fit because it's your day and I want it to be great. So it's okay. Not everybody is a good fit, but thanks for considering us at least. Yeah. And I think when you say that to them, whether it's in an email, in person, in whatever, you're like giving them permission to tell you no. Mm -hmm. And that makes the easy, when you're giving them permission to tell you no, they get, it's a lot easier for them to tell you yes. Right. Yeah. That's one of my last closing emails. If I haven't heard from someone is, um, I think the headline of it is like, sad to see you go. And then it's just, hey, we did a couple of follow-ups, haven't heard from you. We just appreciate being considered. Um, we hope that you found someone that better suits your needs. If if for some reason, you know, you pick up planning down the road and you want to reach back out to check our availability, please let us know, but we just appreciate it. And they'll either say like, yeah, we did find a better fit. We do appreciate your time. Or they'll say, oh no, we actually stopped planning and now we're going to pick it back up. So You'll, yep. you'll get, you'll get a response. Just, you know, just letting them know it's okay. Like, we just want to make sure that you have everything that you need. Yep. You'll get, you'll get a response either way. Yeah. You've checked the box with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we like to end each episode, giving you a little bit of swag. Three action items to add to your to-do list. Okay. So number one, your action item this week is I need you to refresh your website. I want you to go look at when we talked about closing sales a lot softer. I think you need to give your website a little bit of a makeover so they can get to know more about you and what you stand for before they even book the appointment. What can they expect? What is the appointment going to look like when they're coming in to meet with you or doing a phone call or a Zoom call or whatever? How can they, by the time they get to you, and they're booking that appointment, how can they already be connected to you? And I think the website is the easiest place, your about page and some different things that you can tweak within your site to, so go take a look at your website and be like, does it even show who I am or what they can expect? Is there a photo of you anywhere on your website? Oh my God, a picture <laughs> of you, please. 
is there a photo of you somewhere? A, a description. Do they know who you are? Um, number two is going to be find one thing in your next appointment that you can find common ground on and talk more about. So build that rapport, build that connection on something, really get that relationship going and make sure that you you talk about it. You get that connection with your clients. Yeah. Dig in on it. When, the, when they open that door to something, whether it's I'm cat people and people are like, oh, you know, we have a dog. And I'll be like, oh my God, what kind of dog do you have? And I'm thinking, I've had dogs as a kid. Maybe I can relate to kind of dog or what's the funniest thing your dog does? Like you need to go off the sales rails a little bit on talking about yourself and your product to dig in. When you find it, that common ground on your next appointment, dig in on it. Something about life, not just work. And yes, life, connection. Yes. Life. Not just wedding and... If it's sports, you know, what's your, yeah. you, oh, I see that you're wearing an ML, MLB shirt. You know, that's Major League Baseball for those of you who don't know. So <laughs> I'm the worst. <laughs> I know. I saw your face. So if they're wearing like a, a, a team, a team t-shirt or a team hat or something like that, um, you know, oh, are you from there? If you know the team, if you don't know the team, just be like, I like your shirt. If you like the, the couple, if they're wearing like a crazy hat or a, a cool purse, a statement piece of yeah. some sort. I mean, that's easily, is that your favorite color? You know, I really yeah. like that color green on you. Is that your favorite color? Just, it doesn't have to be rocket science. Just connect on something and be personal about it and make it not a part of a wedding. Yep. So, off, yeah. off the rails, something more personal. Okay. The yeah. last step to close more sales without having to be too aggressive is I want you to look at your post-appointment process. And where is the friction when it comes to the point where they get through the appointment and they're like, they've given you all the signals and they're like, yes, I want to go. Where, where, where's the one spot that you can remove friction? So that whether it's some kind of software that goes proposal to contract to invoice or God help you if you're still doing paper contracts that people have to print and sign. That happened to me last week. Somebody sent me a contract and we're like, can you print? I was like, I don't have a printer. Like how do, no, I don't I don't have a way. You send me an electronic sign, please. Do you want me, point, do you want me to do you want me to fax it to you too? Right. So <laughs> and we talk about this because next week this is the entire episode is going to be focused on this. Yes. So yes. if we are going to talk all about how you can remove the friction and not drop the ball. Maybe you're not following up enough. Maybe you do the appointment and then you send an estimate and then you never follow up with them again. Maybe you're waiting too long from appointment to following up. Yeah. So take a look. That's the third thing on your list. So refresh your website. Find one thing to find common ground and then start looking at that post-appointment process and see where you can remove that friction to move the ball faster. Yes. If you feel like this podcast helped your business, got you thinking, or made you laugh, make sure you follow, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hit share and send it over to somebody who desperately needed to hear this episode. Yes, they need it. We all need it. Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes this month. We are going to talk about how to get paid faster and the tips of getting paid faster with the experts of Rock, Paper, Coin. Yes, Nora and Elizabeth are coming in. If you've never heard of Rock, Paper, Coin, they are an amazing company and they do things like payment processing, electronic contract signing, but these women love to share. So they are going to give all of their tips on how to do that. All right, it's time. Now go make epic shit happen. <laughs> you can do it, my friends. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.